Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to see you all again. Uh, just as uh, Carl was saying earlier, uh, my name is uh, Alex Wright. I'm the assistant pastor at uh, New City Fellowship in the Beechwood neighborhood, uh, the daughter church of Grace PCA, and uh, it's a great privilege for me to be here with you all again. Um, I just count it a great privilege that uh, Pastor Mark uh, keeps inviting me to come back and that you all have me. Um, so uh, unfortunately, because Pastor Mark is not here this morning, we will not be in Genesis chapter 15. Uh, we will be in John chapter 16. So I, I invite you, if you have a copy of, the God, of God's Word, to uh, turn to that passage this morning. And it will also be on the screen there. Just a little brief background of where this takes place in God's word. Uh, Jesus is uh, getting ready uh, to leave uh, this earth uh, in physical form. He's uh, preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection. And his disciples really have no idea what's coming or what all this means. It's, uh, it's all too much for them, it seems. And uh, they are really struggling with what this can mean that their Lord, their Savior, uh, the one who has come to, to rescue them, uh, is leaving. And, and what, what could that mean? feels like bad news. Uh, but as we're going to see, this is actually good news for the disciples. So I invite you, if you're able, to, to stand for the reading of God's word. Uh, we are in John chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. And Jesus writes, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Amen. This is God's word. You may be seated. Let me pray one more time. Lord Jesus, we thank you that 
You are someone who prepared his disciples for your departure. And we thank you that even though it felt like it a little bit for the apostles, you did not abandon your people. But instead, Lord, through your death and resurrection, you prepared the way for the Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. Lord, to give us strength and encouragement to continue the work that you began over 2,000 years ago and which will continue until you come again in bodily form. Lord, we ask that as we dive into this scripture, that you would bring clarity. Lord, that you would bring a sense of your presence so that when we leave here today, we, we could say that we, we have been with Jesus. We have been with our Savior. And we have heard his, his marching orders and feel strengthened to do the work that you've prepared us to do. Lord, we continue to pray for Pastor Mark and Wendy. We continue to pray that you would give them strength as they love Bev, as she prepares to, to depart this world and be with you. Lord, we ask for your help for us and for them. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. June 6, 1944, it's a pretty famous date if you know a little bit about history, especially the history of World War II. This was the day that the Allies, including the United States, invaded Europe to take back Europe from the Nazis. Uh, so this is a very momentous occasion, and if you've ever seen a movie like Saving Private Ryan, or maybe you've read about it in the history books, the way to get to France to invade uh, to take back France was through these amphibious boats. And so you've got you know, a group of soldiers in these boats that are zooming towards the shore. And I want you to imagine for a moment that you are one of those soldiers in the boat uh, and your heart is racing. You've been preparing for this moment for months with training. You've been uh, getting to know your other fellow soldiers and especially your, your commanding officer who's in the boat with you. Uh, so you are, you're geared up, ready to, to go into this incredibly scary situation. You know that you could die. Um, and then all of a sudden, your commanding officer turns around and looks at you all in the boat and says, boys, I'm out of here. I've got to go back to headquarters. <laughs> Just imagine what would be going through your mind. You're like, wait, what? Like right before we're, we're going into battle, you're leaving us? Uh, and I would imagine that as Jesus is talking to his disciples, some, of, some similar feelings and thoughts might be running through their mind. He's saying, there's, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And, and by the way, you, you, know, you could die for, for the work that uh, I'm asking you to do. Uh, you'd be experiencing terror, maybe some anger, grief. Um, thankfully, Jesus is not that kind of leader, as we're going to say, but that question, it would have been running through the minds of, of, of the apostles like Peter, James, and John. You know, what, what in the world is Jesus talking about? How, how can he leave us right when it, it seems like he's going he's gonna to win? He's going to take over uh, Israel. But Jesus' answer to their grief and their fear is the same answer he gives to us. 
Though his body is leaving the earth to go be with the Father at his right hand, his very presence is with us now, as real as ever in the person of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the helper that he talks about in this text. And he, the Holy Spirit, is the one who is carrying forward the work that Jesus has called his people to do. So the big idea I want you to take home with you this week is very simple. Don't worry, the Spirit is at work. Don't worry, the Spirit is at work. This morning we're going to look at two ways specifically that the Spirit is at work. Number one, through His conviction. And number two, through His guidance. First, through His conviction. And number two, through His guidance. So the Spirit is at work through his conviction. Again, we, we ask this question, Jesus is leaving, uh, but Jesus says, it is to your advantage. He says that in verse 7. It is to your advantage that I go away. So what, what exactly does Jesus mean? He says, if, if I do not go away, the helper, in other words, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. So one way to think about this is that unless Jesus goes away and specifically dies on the cross for the sins of his people and is resurrected, there will be no way for the Holy Spirit to dwell with God's people because God is holy and he needs a holy, sanctified dwelling place to live in. And that is the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Jesus' work on the cross prepared the way for, for the Spirit to dwell in his people. And this idea of the Spirit dwelling in his people, that's something that was actually uh, pretty new if you look at the rest of the scriptures, specifically in the Old Testament. Uh, There were moments when the Holy Spirit would powerfully come upon people, uh, someone like Samson, for example, Uh, but the idea of God himself in the Holy Spirit dwelling in the hearts of his people, that was a radical, amazing idea that would have been pretty new for the disciples. And Jesus is saying, unless I leave, and specifically unless I accomplish the work of the cross, that will not be possible. And so it's to your advantage that I'm going away from you. But there's a second reason why there's an advantage to Jesus leaving his disciples at this time. And it's because the scope of God's work is expanding with the coming of the Holy Spirit. Remember that Jesus is a man. Uh, He is the God-man, but he is still a man. He he is limited in his body, uh, in the scope of his work on earth. And so there is a scope of work that the Holy Spirit alone can do because the Spirit can be present everywhere at all times. And so this, is, this helps us understand things that Jesus says, uh, like, uh, you will do greater works even than the works I've done because I am going away from you. It's because the Holy Spirit is coming upon his people and is able to expand the work of Jesus in the world. And so that, that leads us to another question, what is the work of the Spirit? 
Well, Jesus tells us in this text, he talks about uh, three things, and he uses the word conviction. Uh, The Spirit will convict the world. In this word conviction, uh, another way to think about it is to uh, rebuke or to uh, expose Uh, So one way that we can think about this word is from John chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, uh, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And so that word expose is actually the same word uh, in the Greek that Jesus used here for conviction. Maybe a kind of a graphic way to think about this is uh, uh, last summer, uh, my wife and I were working in our front yard, and there were all these bunch of these large rocks that had been in a pile since before we moved into the house. Uh, and we were moving these rocks to arrange around our garden. Uh, and of course, you lift up these rocks, and there's just these nasty, juicy spiders, you know, that have been building nests under these rocks, and they're scurrying everywhere. Uh, so that's a kind of visceral image of of what it means to be exposed, uh, uh, to be convicted in a sense, Uh, sort of what the Holy Spirit does to us. He he exposes the parts of our heart that we are hiding, uh, not only from God and other people, but often from ourselves. Uh, There is a a depth to our sinfulness and brokenness that... uh, Many of us, probably all of us, will not understand, even in this life, uh, just because of how much sin has corrupted our hearts. And Jesus gives uh, these three categories that the Holy Spirit convicts of. Uh, He says, first of all, uh, concerning sin. Uh, He says, concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Uh, One way to think about what Jesus is saying here is Jesus is arguing from the greatest to the least. And so uh, one one thing that Jesus is saying is that unbelief is in many ways the ultimate sin because all other sins flow from unbelief, from not trusting in God's promises. He also says concerning righteousness. Jesus is the perfect standard of righteousness, and he's leaving. And, and if that's the case, uh, uh, who will reveal true righteousness to the world? And again, concerning judgment, uh, he's saying, because the ruler of this world is judged, and he's talking about Satan there, uh, Satan who's been given temporary rule of this world. And Jesus is saying, if Satan, who is the, uh, the greatest evil in the world, if he is being judged, how much more other people who have been deceived by him? So this is the work of the Holy Spirit, that, that the Spirit brings conviction, and he is moving forward the work of Jesus. So what do we do with this? What are, what are some practical applications that we can take uh, from the fact that the Holy Spirit is continuing the work of conviction in the world? Well, first of all, we have to ask ourselves, have we ourselves experienced the Spirit's conviction? Um, have we experienced what it, what it is to be, uh, to be exposed or even to be rebuked in our sin? Uh, and it's important for us uh, to think practically what, what conviction is and what it isn't. Um, uh, conviction is, it's not just feeling bad. Um, you know, 
everyone around the world, unless you know, there's something really broken in their, in their minds, feels bad when, when they do something. Uh, but specifically, conviction is when we experience that, but we know that it has to do with God, that, that we are not only alone in that feeling of, of, of guilt, but we know that we have broken God's law. And it's also important to remember that conviction is not something we have to create in ourselves. Uh, sometimes uh, I had been led to believe that in order for me to really experience God's forgiveness, I, I kind of had to afflict myself uh, with conviction. Uh, but there's a, a good quote by a theologian, Sinclair Ferguson, that says this. He says, we need to learn that conviction is not something which we ourselves create, the fears and anxieties which often accompany it are not duties to be fulfilled if we are to become genuine Christians. But rather, what he says is, is conviction is simply recognizing that we are not like Jesus. When we, when we read about what Jesus, how he lived, what he did, and, and we, we sense how much, how different he is than we are and how often we live, then we are experiencing that conviction, and we realize how much help we need, how much grace we need from God, how important it is to be forgiven of our sins. He writes elsewhere, the Spirit convicts us of sin in order to bring us to Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit does, doesn't enjoy just making feel, make us feel bad, but he convicts us so that we could be brought to Jesus and experience his forgiveness and his love. So that, that is what conviction is. And also, uh, it's important to remember that it is the Spirit who brings conviction. Uh, it is not us. Uh, and specifically, this is important when we are uh, sharing our faith uh, with others, whether it's uh, believers maybe who are, who are trapped in sin or, or we're sharing the gospel with our unbelieving neighbors. Uh, our job is not to convict people. Uh, that's the Spirit's job. And so when we are called uh, to, to uh, share our faith and, and trust that the Holy Spirit himself will bring the conviction that is necessary. And if we don't remember that, sometimes we can be really tempted to, to use harsh language or, or to even be cruel because we think that if we are that way, you know, that'll, that'll really bring conviction. But, but we have to trust that the Spirit is the one through the Word who will bring conviction to people. And that takes a lot of pressure off of us, uh, that we are, we are not the ones who, uh, who convict people. Uh, but we are called, as uh, verse 27 says, uh, to, to bear witness uh, of the Spirit's work in our own lives. So don't worry. The Spirit is at work, first of all, through His conviction, but second of all, through His guidance. Jesus says in this passage, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. So there are, there are two ways I want you to think about what Jesus means and how this is fulfilled. Uh, there was a unique fulfillment of what Jesus said during the life of the apostles only, and there's also a continuing fulfillment of how the Spirit guides us into all the truth. 
First of all, the Holy Spirit is going to guide Jesus' apostles to a greater understanding of the salvation he accomplished. You see, Jesus is about to go save his people on the cross, uh, but he says in this text that there are a lot of things I need to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So there's a, a lack of understanding of what Jesus is about to do on the cross. And so, uh, as time goes on, uh, we see later uh, through the other scriptures that we have that God uh, exposed more and more what exactly was the work that he did. You know, so that's why, uh, for example, uh, Paul fills so much of the book of Romans about the doctrine of justification. He, the Spirit has guided the Apostle Paul into uh, showing more and more what Jesus had accomplished on the cross. Uh, the rest of the scriptures after the gospel are, are unpacking the mystery of what Jesus did for us. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate author of the scriptures. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter says, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So think about that. When you, when you open your Bible, uh, they are words written by men, and yet ultimately it was the Holy Spirit who guided every single word of your Bible. And so that's why we can say with confidence that you are hearing God's very words when you open up your Bible. It's an amazing thing that we have that, that gift, that resource, um, and also remember this, that all of the words of the Bible are the words of Jesus. Uh, so uh, we can appreciate, uh, you know, Bibles that have uh, red letters that show, you know, the, the, the audible words that Jesus spoke uh, in the Gospels. And yet every single word from Genesis to Revelation uh, is Jesus's word because Jesus is God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are one. So there is no conflict uh, bet between what Jesus says in the Gospels and what Paul says in Romans or what Peter says in 1 Peter, uh, because it all comes from the same Holy Spirit. So that's something that only happened once during the time of the apostles. That is, that is a unique fulfillment uh, of how the, these words of Jesus are fulfilled. Um, but second, and this is important for us, is that the Holy Spirit guides us. Uh, not into new revelation in the sense that the scriptures are revelation, but into a deeper knowledge of Jesus, a, a deeper relationship with him. Uh, I don't know if you've ever uh, experienced this, but uh, sometimes maybe when Pastor Mark is preaching on a Sunday morning, uh, or you're, maybe you're reading your Bible during the week, you just get this sense like, wow, like that word was for me. Uh, that really hit me uh, in, a, in an amazing way. Um, I've definitely felt that. Uh, it's almost like, you know, did Pastor Mark have uh, access to my, <laughs> to my mind somehow this week? Because um, sometimes it feels that way. And, you know, I, I've known uh, pastors sometimes who receive a knock on their door and, you know, they open the door and someone's like, who told you that I, you know, was going through that this week? You know, were you spying on me? And... But it wasn't that. It was, it was the Holy Spirit who was bringing God's word to bear in a special way uh, in the life of his people. 
Uh, and that's, it's not something that we can control, right? It's something that the Spirit chooses to do uh, to strengthen us or, or to convict us, to bring us to repentance. Uh, so that is the continuing work uh, of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about here. Um, just remember, when you're opening up your Bible, you are, in many ways, you are hearing the same voice uh, that was spoken uh, during the Sermon on the Mount that the apostles heard. Uh, you are hearing uh, the same word, the same voice that was spoken in the home of Mary and Martha uh, or on the Temple Mount. Uh, we are hearing the very voice of our Savior when we open up the word. So don't worry. Jesus has not abandoned you. Uh, he, he did not abandon his apostles or leave them as orphans, uh, as it says in the text. Uh, he has given us his Holy Spirit uh, who takes truth from Jesus and declares it to us. So again, we ask the question, what, what do we do? What do we do with this? The fact that uh, the Spirit is at, is at work through his guidance. Well, first of all, really simple. When you, when you read your Bible, ask Pray that God would give you a heart that anticipates the Spirit's work. Um, ask that God would, would give you a heart that is uh, preparing itself to receive the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, we never know when the scriptures are really going to hit home for us or for someone. Um, you know, Jesus says, in John chapter 3, the Spirit moves however He wills. Uh, he's like the wind. Uh, so we don't know exactly what word He's going to use or, or how, uh, how He's going to do it. Uh, I, I am uh, reminded of a story that perhaps some of you have heard. There was a, a theologian way back in the day in England who he tells the story of this uh, this man who was a minister, and yet he apparently was not a Christian. <laughs> so he was, he was a pastor, but he, he wasn't a Christian pastor. Uh, and he bought something at a fair. Uh, and uh, the, the man who sold them this book or whatever wrapped it. You know, he used, uh, he used a catechism <laughs> for wrapping paper. Uh, so kind of showed how much uh, this uh, salesman actually cared about the catechism. Um, and as this minister is carrying home this book, he reads some of the, the catechism, and that's how God saves him, <laughs> it was through, through wrapping paper. Uh, so, you know, we, we just don't know uh, how, how God is going to save people. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible has immense power uh, in the hands of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off of us, again, uh, just, you know, there's, um, there's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of pressure, and it's understandable where, you know, we, we feel the need uh, to always be on the defensive, you know, when it comes to the Bible. We have to have an amazing apologetics, or we have to have, you know, uh, we have to know the scriptures perfectly so that we can defend it against all accusations. And, and absolutely, we, we, we want to be able to, to give an answer uh, to the questions that people have about the scriptures. Um, and yet, we, we need to remember that uh, the, the God does not need us to protect his word, uh, that his word has power because it is his word. Um, I don't know if I've shared 
this quote uh, here before, but um, perhaps Pastor Mark has, but you know, I, I love the image that uh, Pastor Charles Spurgeon once gave of, you know, the Bible is like a lion. You know, you don't really need to defend a lion. You can just open the cage up and the lion will defend itself. Um, and so that's a good way to think about the scriptures is that when we, when we let them, uh, when we expose people to God's word, God is, is able to sow those seeds in people's hearts that bear fruit uh, for eternal life. And so this, this gives us uh, a lot of comfort uh, because in this role uh, that Jesus has called us to, to be his witnesses, uh, you know, his spirit is at work. Even though Jesus is, is not here with us physically yet, uh, he is still very real and very present with his people. Uh, and he is the one who is doing this powerful, amazing work. And even, and even this morning, as we've, as we've prayed, as we've sung songs, as we've heard the word, we are worshiping through the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is present with us today. That's definitely something that gives me pause and gives me great hope um, for these days. Um, let me pray. Lord God, there really are not words to convey uh, how amazing it is that you are with us through your spirit. Lord, we, we thank you that you are not a cruel father who asks uh, his children uh, to do something uh, that, of course, they're not capable of, Lord. You are a father who provides help for his children. And so we thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but that you have given us your Holy Spirit to do what we can never do in and of ourselves. Lord, we, we ask that you would let this word sink in deep, Lord, that it would take root in our heart and that it would bear fruit, that even in ways maybe that we don't even realize today, you are increasing our hope and our confidence in you. Lord, we ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.